0: Hey Brock, how are you?
1: Doing well, John. How are you?
0: I want to run a, a scenario by you. So, I've I haven't given you any like time to react to this, but this is an idea that's been percolating in my head for the past few weeks. So, when I travel, I I look at so many wrists, especially, I mean, I looked at wrists before. I was always curious about watches before my channel even, but now that I kind of know what I'm looking at, I look at a ton of people's wrists, and I see a lot of really cool watches, especially like I spend time in the Delta Sky Club, and then I'm usually in one of the better uh, seats on the airplane. And so I end up seeing a ton of nice watches. If somebody came up to you and was like, hey, I want to ask you some couple of questions about your watch. Also, can I take a picture from my Instagram account? Would you, would you like be cool with that?
1: I think I'd be cool with that and kind of flattered, yeah.
0: Because I constantly think, like I was sitting in, it was on Friday, I was sitting in the Sky Club. This guy next to me had a beautiful, like I could tell it was either a 60s or 70s. Uh, Rolex like a vintage Rolex on a blue NATO strap and he had a few other he had like some bracelets on and I and since I've been thinking of this I was like I should just ask this guy because I would love to like ask him about it find a little bit more about his watch and then snap a picture and then like I would make my Instagram account would just be like watches from around the world of people that I've talked to because I go all over the country and I I meet a lot of people and I think it would just be cool to just have that have that as my Instagram account because right now I just kind of post whatever I feel like on Instagram but that would be like my Instagram would just be watches for people that I've met around the country around the world I don't know
1: I think you could do it as like a series or like a hashtag on your Instagram so it's not it's not the entire account if you're gonna use the Cavalier account, it's not the whole account but it's part of it um, and I think I think that most people would be down for that it kind of depends who they are I mean like the guy who's got a vintage Rolex on a NATO strap and other accessories. He's probably down. He, he's probably in the watch community. He's probably down with Instagram and all that. And the other day I was, I was at a, my eye doctor and he, he had a, what looked like a brand new, um, Submariner. And I asked him about it and, you know, I, I kind of assumed that he would want to talk about it. And he just didn't. He's, I was like, ah, oh, it's a nice Submariner. And he, he's like, thanks. And then he just like kept going out with the exam. I was like, ah, uh, dude, that's, that's a really expensive watch you have on. Like, you clearly, you know, like it. I mean, you spent a lot of money on it, but he just didn't want to talk about it. He probably didn't even know what Instagram was. So I think you probably have to, you know, go on a case-by-case basis.
0: Maybe, yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe the hashtag could be my proving ground for if I should have a full-blown account because, yeah, that's interesting. The other thing that happened too is I was meeting with a guy, he's the head of merchandising for a pretty well-known retailer, and he was wearing a Panerai, and I noticed... I noticed the model and I said, Hey, is that a Panerai? It was like a 1904 or something. And he was like, how the did you know that? And I was like, Oh, I've just been looking at him. And then he noticed that I had the new Seamaster on because I wore it to that meeting. He goes, is that the new commander Seamaster they just released? And so it was like a really just like very specific bonding moment that I had with this guy that like we were totally on the same like playing field. It was just, you know, that's it's the only piece of jewelry that most guys wear. And, uh, it's, it's connective tissue.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a fraternity, I think.
0: That, and I do get a lot of compliments on, I have like a Toomey bag and, and people compliment on it, but when I used to carry, I had a bag from Satchel and Page. It was like a leather briefcase messenger bag, and I got a ton of compliments on that thing. So I really liked the video that you did on leather bags because I get asked a lot of questions too about, you know, like suitcases and, and weekenders and that type of thing. So I really liked your... Uh, how-to-spot-quality video.
1: Uh, Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, The the question I get most often about bags is like, what's the best leather bag between $100 and $200? And, and you know, someone's looking for an all-leather duffel. And unfortunately, the answer is there are no good bags, you know, in that price, all leather bags in that price range because you can't buy that much leather for that little money, you know? And so I, I usually say, you know, maybe look at like a canvas Filson bag or something like that. Or you know something that's stylish but not necessarily super high end like Herschel or, or you know so something that's not an all leather high end bag a- and then you know when you're ready to spend a little more money go for the the leather duffel because I mean you can't I don't know you can't you, you can't really have it all you know you can't have an awesome high end leather bag for for not that much money
0: yeah that's like the people asking the question like what is a really cheap high quality watch that i can buy and it's like well that's kind of an oxymoron
1: yeah it's like you you can get an automatic or you you can get probably whatever style you're looking for for a reasonable price but but yeah you can't say like yeah it's it's like saying you know how do i buy a a vintage day trust for under two thousand dollars it's like well it's gonna be tough maybe you can but it's gonna be really hard
0: Yeah. And specifically in the bag space, I feel like there are enough companies. You and I talked about this uh, in the the past couple of weeks where, you know, watch companies will say we couldn't find the watch that we wanted. So we went out and sourced it ourselves and designed it, cut out the middleman. It's like, I I feel like that has happened in the bag space. Like I think of Satchel and Page. They're like a really small company. They, you know, deal with the highest quality leather that they can, but their bags, you, you pay for what you get. And that is generally the case with, you know, like you said, especially with leather goods, same thing with watches, shoes are the same way. It's like, you can get cheap shoes, but if you buy full grain leather dress shoes, you're going to pay a couple hundred bucks. You know, Paul Evans shoes are $500 and there's everything in between.
1: Yeah, I've definitely seen that happening in the in the leather accessories and bags. Um, that's like that company that I worked with on that video, Le David. I mean, they like literally created their, co-created their own type of uh, full grain leather with this German tannery. And like, you know, that, that couldn't, I feel like that, that didn't happen 10 years ago. You know, it was kind of like you, but you have your cheap bags, you have your designer bags. um, And then I guess a handful of other companies like Saddleback, but, um, but yeah, it's pretty cool to see that, you know, and I, I think, and even with that bag um, that I use in the video, it's it's not a cheap bag. It's it's pretty expensive by most guys' standards. I mean, yeah, there are people paying you know fifteen hundred dollars for a bag, but most guys are not doing that. Um, but I still feel like you're getting a lot of value for five six hundred bucks.
0: Yeah, I think about the two with like rucksack. I was talking to a friend, and uh, he like really wanted a rucksack, but it was three hundred dollars. And then like now that I've been in this space a lot, I'm like, yeah, but three hundred dollars is not that much for a bag that's gonna be high quality and last you for a while and so yeah I, uh, I I like what you've said about buying the best that you can afford but I think there's also a mental hurdle about what people think they could or should spend on that because myself now I would be okay with sp- spending $500 on leather bag because I can't afford it but even when I could I had disposable income but I wasn't like and eh, well I could buy this $100 bag for you know it's close enough but uh, I think it's that's what I love about what what we try to do is it's like informing and educating so that you do get to that point and it's I mean so far we've had some some great feedback.
1: Yeah, and I, and I don't think it's for everybody. I mean, obviously, if you're a younger guy or you're in college or whatever, like it's not time to buy a uh, a lifetime heritage piece. You know, it's it's you're not ready for that. You don't need it, and there's plenty of great affordable options, but. I, I do think that when you get to the point where you can't afford uh, nicer things and not nicer, like, you know, fancier, but like actually nicer. Um, I, I think you should, you should pony up for, you know, the high quality stuff. Cause and if you just like, like cost per use, like lifetime cost, I mean like the, the, that messenger bag I used in that video, it's falling apart. And and I love the way that bag looks. I've used it a lot, but I've only had it for a couple of years and it's literally falling apart. And uh, you know, so I have to replace that. And so it costs $150. Now I'm going to spend, more. So if I just spent more the first time, I probably would have saved money in the long run and been happier with with the product. So
0: I do want to compliment you. Your new studio setup, I ha- I hadn't seen it before we talked last time, but now that I see it, I think you had mentioned you're channeling your inner MKBHD, which I think you nailed it. I think it looks I think it's going to make it even tougher now to look back at your original videos like we talked about and just not cringe because of the the total difference in uh, to set up camera lighting everything else they look really good now
1: yeah, thanks yeah yeah trying to step it up a little bit trying to uh, I, I feel like with all of YouTube that it's the tech reviewers that are really like nailing the production quality right now so trying to uh, emulate those guys but but I've noticed you, you've been getting some more b-roll and panning shots and stuff like that are you using like any new gear or are you just doing like image stabilization or, or what, how are you doing that stuff
0: well, I always founded what I, what my channel was based on the premise of like The Verge video reviews because some of their video reviews, just the the tracking shots that they do, or whatever gear they're using to get some of their beautiful pans and zoom shots I was always very impressed with. So I used to even do that with my phone when I first started and all I was doing was shooting with my phone. And so I'd like try and replicate some of the movements of those. And then I got away from it a little bit in the middle of the channel when I started to do more videos and, uh, now I've just been trying to make sure that I show the product a little bit closer, answer because it answers a lot of questions. Um, you know, we're we're in this very visual medium and so we're able to show, you know, fine details of the fabric or, or like you were doing with with some of the zipper stuff. And I could see you were like handheld with it, but it looked really good. And so yeah, I would definitely like to spend a little bit more time on each video to to put that extra oomph into it. And especially with my industry videos. I'd rather have, you know, some sort of animation or visual graphics, which help to illustrate it instead of just being a talking head for a while. But that all comes in due time, I guess.
1: Yeah, that it, it'd be really cool to animate those industry videos. Uh, you could also like, because animation is, you know, obviously expensive and time consuming. I'm wondering if you could like have a whiteboard, you know, or something where you kind of kind of lay it out uh, for people real time versus, uh, you know, hiring an animator.
0: Yeah, my very my first one I did on Five Four Club. I did it in front of a whiteboard and I drew a little bit, but I haven't really nailed that one down yet. So I think the I mean the first baseline that I like to try and hit is just having you know thoughtful informative videos, and I can build upon that. And so um, I did. So I think there's a little bit of danger in talking about what you're working on. So that that Wall Street Journal video that I talked about last week, I actually just finished uploading it when we got onto this call, and so it is going to go up today, um, and I just did a little fun stuff with the uh, the graphic on that, but it's nowhere, it's totally rudimentary for what I would expect or like to have the videos at, and uh, so that's definitely the growth that I'd look for.
1: Yeah, you've, you've been putting out uh, putting out volume lately, a lot of videos.
0: I know, I'm going to hit 300 videos very soon. Oh, is it was the leather bag your 100th?
1: I think it was, yeah, I think
0: so. And you've even been increasing your cadence because I know you did that watch gang video on uh, on the weekend too.
1: Yeah, you know, I th- this has been such a crazy uh, crazy few weeks. I had the the new website, which was like extremely time consuming for a few days there. Yeah, it's, it's just been a go for one a week and it's been about two, sometimes three a week. And I think it will continue to be for the next two weeks. So I don't know how you guys do it. <laughs>
0: I know I just spend get i just try to pump it out as quickly as I can, but I'd like to to spend some more time too, so it's a balancing act. I think I mean both of us are are doing good numbers it's just you know you have you have less videos and a little bit more views, I have more videos, and about the say it's you know it's all six and one half dozen
1: yeah that's like we've talked about it before it's just a function of time, you know how much time do you put in and you could put in a hundred hours and spread it over ten videos or a hundred videos or just one epic video you know and <laughs> Either way, uh, you know you're you're probably gonna gonna get good results if you put in that much time. So I think it's just different approaches. But I, I do I'm still kind of leaning towards. And I know it's not really going with YouTube's current algorithm, but I'm still kind of leaning towards quality over quantity. Um, although I think there's there's definitely a line where it's kind of diminishing returns for you know increasing your production quality, even if uh, even if it's something you enjoy doing. I, I think there's it's it's maybe not the best thing for your channel, you know, to to really be too perfectionist with your videos.
0: I know. I've been following some of the guys that are in our comments that are also building out smaller channels, <laughs> and you just, you just do great stuff, and I think they're, people find it. That's how I started. Yeah, agreed. Well, cool. We don't have a guest this week, but I did want to catch up with you a little bit and uh, keep, continue our weekly cadence on the podcast. We have some pretty cool guests coming up. I don't want to tease too much on here, but uh, we do have some cool guests coming up to round out the final, I think this is the 21st episode, so we got uh, two, three, four, five uh, more episodes, and that will be the first season of Buttoned Up, and then I'll also promote, again, the listener survey. Uh, if you go to my Twitter, it's on there. Uh, I've tweeted about it, and then it's in the show notes, and so we just want to hear from you guys what you guys like, like about the podcast and what we should focus on in the future.
1: Yeah, definitely take the survey, and I, I'm I'm really excited about uh, a lot of our guests, but uh, one in particular because someone left a comment saying we should interview this person, and then we reached out, you know, and, and we're getting them on the show, so I think that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, so I love the feedback cycle on that, and then also I think I'm going to release – some of the interviews as their own episodes. Once we wrap up our twenty-five episode like capsule, I think I'm gonna then strip out some of the interviews, put those up as our own episodes, just in case people miss them. Uh, because some of the companies that we interviewed n- almost a year ago or you know six months ago have grown in considerably, and and so it'd be cool to look back on those as you know we grabbed them several months ago, and now they continue to to become bigger brands. Well, we'll be back in two weeks because I am going on vacation, so no podcasts for the next two weeks. But then we'll be back with our great guests and we'll be finishing out our capsule episode. Thank you for listening to the Buttoned Up Podcast, a collaboration between John Shanahan of The Cavalier and Brock McGough of Modest Man. And we'll see you next week.